proud to be there. Love Wanganui, uh, love people in the place. So, uh, just just to give a picture of who I am as well. So, in our spare time, which is most of our time, uh, me and my wife are priests, um, and we are part of a little newish church called St Peter's in Gonville, which has been pretty epic to, to be part of. Um, my day job is uh, part of Common Good Coffee, which you guys have got some over there, which is really lovely. And just want to say a massive thank you just for the way you guys as a church champion that stuff. And um, it's been about six months that we've kicked off as a crew around the country doing that. I, I haven't actually said this to anyone, it's not a public thing, I'm just going to put it out there. But um, our, I don't know if you know much about it, but we, um, we kind of exist. Our primary reason for existing other than making good coffee is to, to re- make money for overseas good stuff in, in mainly in Kolkata in the red light district there. Um, <laughs> Kickstarting more freedom businesses over there. I think you guys know like Freeset and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Aye, so uh, we just want to make more money um, for kickstarting more good things in some of the hardest places in the world. And we've kind of increased through getting our coffee into offices and whatever else in the last six months to the point now, because we give $5 every kg to Kolkata. We're hitting 450 kg, so we stand to at least give away $120,000 wow. in a year, wow. which is humbling art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we just want to, we're, we're a small player in the coffee world, but big enough that that's money's not everything, but it's flipping useful in places where there is hardly any resource in terms of yeah. that stuff. So just a thank you to, to the way you guys champion that and, uh, and get us into different places. Is that a little bit of a picture of me? Uh, anyway, so usually when I come to speak, have you logged into my accent? Yeah. You got me? Yeah. Right. Um, you're disconcerting me right now, mate. We have a little love, love relationship on Facebook. Um, so we, uh, I usually just go straight for a gospel passage. I just love gospel passages, but t- tonight, as the last week thinking about coming here, I've just, I wanted to kind of share a yarn about the most, probably most misused passage of scripture, which is Genesis 1, the poem. And, uh, uh, and do you guys, have you heard of the Enuma Elish? Yes. One? No. I'm hoping most people say no. Right, I, I want to share a bit of a yarn around, around um, the alternative poem that is Genesis 1, because I think it's inspiring, and it's thought-provoking, mm-hmm. it's encouraging, mm-hmm. and uh, it's dramatic. And I've got this not PowerPoint, which is some Canva Im- images, which I'm going to flash them over here with blue tacks. I don't need PowerPoint. Uh, and if uh, you can't see it, you miss out. Yeah. So anyway, so we're going to do that. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm just going to... I don't need to pray to you, pray. So we're just going to um, kick straight into it. So there's this, there's this thing called the Indian Middle East. Um, so Genesis 1, right? You all know Genesis 1, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Well, hopefully you know Genesis 1. And, uh, and, and it's one of the newest books in the, new, on the, in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It's one of the, the newer parts. It's the, it's the first chapter. is one of the newest parts of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And it's a poem. And it was written uh, late in the Hebrew people's journey um, when they were taken into captivity by the colonizing Babylonians. So the big bad Babylonians, they were brutal. Think of like, I don't know, the USA and Russia on meth. And just, yeah, it's a bad time. And, um, and they're, just, they're just going through all the land and they're just, just colonizing people and they're displacing people and they're brutal, getting rid of the ones that are no, use, no longer used for digging irrigation canals and whatever else. 
and they're, they're killing a whole heap that are not useful for the mahi, and they are um, using ones with skills for whatever, but basically, uh, the, the Hebrew people were one of many peoples that were just displaced and colonized and used and abused, to be slaves. And so the, the, the Hebrew people, the, the Jewish people, have been taken into captivity, and they find themselves in a foreign place, with foreign people, often away from their own, their own uh, bano, and um, they're hearing a different story about what life's about, what, mm. what, what um, the, the great big overarching narrative is. Mm. And they're hearing this every day, and they're hearing a story about who they are that, that's so different to what they've kind of been trying to learn about who, who God is and who they are, right? And so they're in Babylon, and Babylon, like all, all kind of uh, groups of the day, had an overarching story. And their story was the Enuma Elish. And so I want to tell you this story. And, and this story, at the beginning of every year in Babylon, they would, for, I think it was for three or four weeks, they would, they would, they would act out in a big, kind of, big national way. Um, they would act out this story, and then they would crown the emperor um, on behalf of the gods uh, to, to, to legitimize his rule and his authority and his way. Are you with me? Yeah. So fascinating stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the Enuma Elish. This is the overarching story that you would have found yourself in with my trusty PowerPoint. <laughs> so there was... That's really hard to do this because... I, it's, right, anyway, so uh, there's two... Can I, do I, I think I stand or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can take that one up. There was two two main gods. Um, uh, there was there we go. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. There was this fella who is Apsu, and he was the the, the salt water thing. Apsu and his wife were his partner uh, Tiamat, and she was the kind of um, spring water. And they were the only two gods that existed in this narrative, right? Here we go. I got these off Canva Premium. Anyway, so, um, so you've got these, these two gods, and so they, they in the story early on, actually, they get together, they get it on, they have sexual relations, and they, they, they breed like rabbits. I mean, these guys are pumping the little mini-gods out, and they are a whole heap of mini-gods, right? And um, so the, the, it says in the story that the, the salt water and the spring waters mingle. Well, we know what that means then. <laughs> so they get together and, um, and they have a, a massive pantheon, a massive multitude of little gods uh, that the Babylonian people were worshipping, right? Uh, now, in the story, legit, um, <laughs> the many gods, uh, they just like to party and have a good time all the time. This is the actual story. And uh, the thing is, all the young ones are keeping their parents up all the time. Now, if kids, you know, when you're, when you're old and you're losing sleep, you start to lose your shit, right? <laughs> well, these guys, Apsu is losing his rag. Oh, that's great. They just leave him there. That's great. You oh, you're so good. Um, thank you. And, um, and they're losing it. And then Apsu, right, fair bit of family violence on the go in this story. He goes, I'm going to kill them. Like legit, no, that's legit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna wipe them out. They're just not listening. They're not respectful. I'm gonna kill them all. Tiamat, she kind of goes, nah, nah, nah don't do it. She kind of protests, but Ia goes, uh, no, sorry, uh, absolutely goes, nah, I'm gonna kill him. So he goes off to kill him. Ia is one of the kids, and he's the god of wisdom. Check this fella out, right? And he, he gets wind of this, and in a preemptive strike, I was gonna use my little things here. He murders his old man. Like something from Netflix. Right? 
he murders his old man and just kills off his old man before his, without his kind of from behind kind of thing and kills his old man and what happens is he um, he basically he makes Ea makes his kingdom or the god's kingdom on top of his old man's carcass so so land is formed right land is formed on the waters and it's from the carcass of his old man and so uh, Tiamat she's well pissed off so he's like you killed my lover I'm gonna kill them all right and she realizes oh. so what she does is she gets a contractor right <laughs> so she goes and gets uh, Kingu who's a, dem- a demon right and she gets Kingu and his demonic horde except these little fellas like they're not cute but they're not cute because they're demonic horde <laughs> <laughs> Contracts them out and goes, right, we're gonna freaking leather and kill all these freaking kids, right? So then Ia, Ia goes, oh crap, mum and the demonic horde are coming for us. And so he goes, I can't take on her and them. So he goes to the Pantheon, I think it was called, which is basically all the gods, they get together for a hooey, right? They get together for an FGC, a family group conference, right? They get, they get in the room and they, and they go, look, we're, we're, we're screwed. We're gonna, they're going to murder us. We've just lost the old man, but mum's coming with Kingu and rah, rah, rah. What we're going to do is, is anybody, who can someone destroy them? And so it's just this thing of, and then this one guy, Marduk. Oh yeah, you know Marduk, right? Marduk, he steps up from among um, the children. Put that on there. He steps up and says, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take it out. I'll take out King Wu and his demonic cord. Only if you make me, only if you make me king of all the gods. If you bow down to me, I'll take them out. And they say, yep, we'll do it. We're desperate. So then what happens is Marduk has this epic battle with his mum and this fella and all that. And it's freaking full of blood and it's terror and it's, it's trauma. It's like it's bad in the story. It's horrendous. But eventually Marduk reigns. He, he slaughters his mum. And... Uh, and, uh, and, sl- and uh, puts him into this fella, um, Kingu, into captivity. But what he does is he takes his mum and he, 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 he slices her in half. And he, he makes the, the heavens, the sky, and then he puts an edge on the water. This is where you get your, your sky and, your, and your, kind of your waters and you already get your land with the, with the dad. And then um, and he starts to make artful shapes out of his mother, all the bits and pieces of the hills and the, the trees and whatever else. And then the gods are all like pretty stoked and they go and, um, and they say, well, we don't want to do the crap, shitty jobs. We, uh, we don't want to do the kind of, we don't want to build the irrigation canal or whatever else, the bits and pieces that, you know, the, the labouring stuff. And what should we do? They say, well, let's make, let's make a thing called humanity. And they take, um, I think it's Marduk takes Kingu, the demon, and he gives them to Ia, and what they do is they hold him and they, 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 um, they violate him and they hurt him, and then they, they, they spill his blood. And they take his blood, the demon's blood, and they take the, the clay, kind of like Genesis 1, they take the clay, the ground, they take the blood and the clay, and then they all go, and they spit because they're such disdain. And that three, that element of three, they create hum- humanity. And uh, humanity is there to serve the gods in the Middle East. 
I'm going to read um, Genesis 1 to you. Um, I know. It's a wee bit different, Genesis 1, because, because the, the thing is, I like to keep in mind that so this, the, the, in real time, so that was the story, but in real time, the, the Hebrew people had been brought into a foreign land to be slaves. And this is the narrative they're being told. Now, just before I move on to battle, what, what, what does that narrative tell you about me? If, if, that's, if that's what you're hearing, what's, shout out, what, what does that tell me about me? If that's, if that's, my, if that's where I originate from. You like a creation stories? Sorry? You like a creation story? Oh, stories? not me, but... <laughs> <laughs> if, I was, if I was a Hebrew person, I'm hearing this. What does it tell me about me as a human? It tells us that we're worthless. Yeah, brilliant answer. It tells me I'm worthless. Anything else? You're born out of hate. Born out of hate. Violence. Yeah, we're, we're nothing but violent, we're nothing but despicable, we're nothing but all that stuff, right? We're supposed to be slaves. Yeah, we're nothing but slaves. All this stuff, we are, we are, and then what does it tell you about the universe? What does it tell you about the world? Like, how should you live in this world? You should live in a fearful way. The world's out to get me. The universe is out to get me. Live in fear. Live with one sense of the gods or the god or whatever. It's just want to take me down. That's what that story tells me. Yeah? Which is a lot of what I think in, in, in subconsciously a lot of people believe about themselves and about the world anyway. Even today. The world's out to get me. I'm, I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I'm, you know what I mean? I mean, the, the narrative's extreme, but I think there's a lot of narratives today that people buy into. There's a lot of similarities, yeah? Mm-hmm. You with me? So, so the, the Hebrew people, they're in this land, they're having to do the hard, horrible stuff, they've, they've suffered trauma and abuse, and on top of it, they're told this story all the time, and at the beginning of the year, they're told it in such an intense way, and told, do not question this story or this narrative or this belief system, because it gets violent otherwise. Right? Sweet. Genesis 1. Let's read Genesis 1. And I'll, I'm going to ask another question after I do Genesis 1. Are you with me? Is this interesting? Yeah. 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 Um, sweet, sweet. So, um, what's, when, when I read this out, which I've heard many times with that in mind though, um, I want you to think, what is the theme? What is, what's the vibe of the story? Because Genesis 1, what I didn't say, sorry, is Genesis 1, what happened? The, the leaders of the Jewish people in Babylon were going, man, we're losing our sense of identity. We're losing our sense of who we are and our story. We need to gather our stories, put them on parchment, collect them. So that's when the Old Testament started to come together, or the, the first little books anyway. And they said, let's open it with, with, a, with a poem that speaks against that story. Genesis 1. Okay, so this is the alternative story to a new marriage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surfaces of the water. And God said, hey, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God just simply said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heaven from the waters of the earth. And that's what happened. 
God made the space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens, and God called the space sky. And the evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. Quite different so far, right? Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that's what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that's what happened. The land produced vegetation and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let there be signs to mark the seasons, days, years. Let these lights in the sky shine, shine down on the earth. And that's what happened. God made two great lights. And he set these lights to, to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. It's like he's having fun. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. And every sort of bird, each producing offspring. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful, multiply. Let the fish fill the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening passed, morning came, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal. Ones that scurry along the ground, wild animals. That's what happened. God made all sorts of animals. And God saw it was good. Then God said, let us make human, listen to this part. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. To be like us. They'll reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals in the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky. And God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant. Then God, God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. What, what stands out? Imagining this is your world that you were in, and the world, what, what stands out about that story? What's really clear? God made a good creation, and he loves us. Yeah, so there's creativity going on. There's love in what's happening. Which is pride and joy. Yeah, pride and joy, yeah. Sure. Anyone else? God's stronger than the sort of dysfunctional dynasty of men of gods in Asia. Yeah, there's a, you've got a story here that's all about, this is all born of violence and hatred and fear and, and to be worried of, and then you've got this other, this other thing happening, which reading between two years, is this thing of God just creating because he can. Mm. And God creating because it's, it's something he just wants and enjoys to do and wants to create. There are some uh, similarities between the first story and the second story. And what were you want? Well, I mean, it talks about yeah. creating um, Earth, for instance, yeah. in the first and the second. Yeah, yeah. And it talked about creating sky yeah. and light in the first yeah. and the second. Yeah, yeah. Though the actors were slightly yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, so that's, and so that's exactly what the, the writer is doing, is taking the, the usual narratives of the day, all the bits of how the earth created and whatever else, but he's putting a different, like you're saying, a different spin on the, on the reason behind it. Mm -hmm. 
It's out of creativity, it's out of love. It's, what does it tell you about humanity? What does that Genesis 1 tell you about me as a human or you as a human? They were made from clay made by God. Yeah, and is it good or is it very good? It's very good. Choices of an answer. In our own image and after our own likeness. Yeah. So, but it also means that there's probably hooligans up there as well. <laughs> but, but, but in our own image. In our own image. So there's a sense of like, in this, in this story, in this story, the story is all about let's make something that we can just own and dominate and use. In the Genesis 1 story, it's a story about let's create something like us. And let's give them power to recreate and, and look after, you know what I mean? I missed, I missed somebody from over here. Uh, it's all good choices in a voice. Aye. So there's a sense of like you're not, you've, you've got choice, you've got the ability to have a, a, a yeah. power in a good way. There's the point of the matter is they created a story to counteract stories that were taking life. Mm-hmm. Taking away the sense of who we are who my friend over here is, and what we're called to do with this life we've been given. Just look after it. Look after creation, look after people, to bring beauty, to hover over whatever is dark, and to bring something beautiful and good to it, yeah? Mm-hmm. It's an amazing counter-narrative. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of, all I heard when I was growing up in Scotland, I didn't go to church for a choice at 10, all I heard about Genesis 1 was, it's about the age of the earth and you should be scared of God. That's from my granddad speaking, that was how he spoke. <laughs> um, uh, but, but we've got this actual narrative, it's a, a narrative that's just hopeful and inspiring and thoughtful. So I want to put a bit of flesh on this. And some of you will have heard this story, but it's my story because I was there. Um, and it's, it's a, a pretty basic one. But I, obviously I mentioned we've got connection with, with India and um, whatever else, and quite a few of us, I suppose, have friends out there. Uh, and we, uh, a few of us, my mate was at Freeset, and his wife were at Freeset for, I think, five or six years, and had their kids out there working in um, the, the largest red light district in Kolkata. So, do you guys know a lot about that area? No, right, so it's, it's helpful. So, the area for Freeset, where they make the, the tees, the t-shirts, and whatever else, um, they've got about maybe over two, two or three hundred women now employed out of the sector. All of them have been trafficked from the pole or have been born generationally into the sex trade to their kids as well. And it's just hard. It's just lots of addiction and trauma and there's no option. Right? Classic. You know, go on and sound like UNICEF or something. And, you know, you get the point. There's nothing wrong with what you said, by the way. That was, but you know what I mean. Um, it's just hard. And um, it's an area that's like smaller than central, central Wellington, and uh, there's about 10,000 women in, in, the, in the trade, and they're serviced by 20,000 men a day coming through. It, it's, and, and, the, and there's a caste system there as well, where it, the, you're basically told, well, this is, this, is, this is who you are, this is your lot, this is because God's ordained this, or the God, or whatever, right? So there's all that stuff going on, and it's just a place of hopelessness often. It's hard, really hard. So they're out there, and has been out there for about a decade, and kickstarting businesses, freedom businesses, where it's about giving choice and option and trying to get um, not just good employment, but also kind of working with the whole person, right? So beautiful stuff. You can look at it online. It's amazing. And there's some amazing stories of hope and amongst what is deeply disturbing at times. So we, uh, we took some young adults out there a, a couple of years ago on an exposure trip. 
and we went to visit some of these these businesses and stay with some of our friends out there. Yeah, there's about five or six of us. And one of the trips we went to, um, which we're not officially connected with, but we went to our friends who um, run a loyal workshop. They make kind of leather stuff that's beautiful. And we um, started with a bunch of friends who were Baptist in Auckland who um, moved out five years ago. And they've got like 18 women that they now employ. And so we went there in the morning. And uh, again, some, a lot of these women had actually been trafficked from Nepal. Um, some of them were born into it. And, but they're in this place making these beautiful products. And we, every morning they have a mantra. They have a, a, a kind of a, a, a liturgy that they say every single morning before they start work. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed and experienced in my life. So we're in this small little room um, with these women and uh, getting to say hello and meet them. And, you know, we're from New Zealand and whatever else. And, uh, and they say, well, we're going to start our day, so we're going to do the, the mantra. So they get their, their piece of paper and um, one of them leads it. A different person leads it every day and the rest of them. It's like a, it's a, it's a liturgy, right? And um, this woman stands up and in English, uh, she begins this mantra. And I keep in mind, most of, if not all their lives have been told, you're garbage, you're worthless, and the life that you're having to live is it. And your kids, this is it for them. Right? This woman gets up, begin the day. Um, uh, what kind of business is this? And all the other women, mostly in their own languages, say this is a freedom business. And then the woman uh, leading it says, um, and who are we? And these women say, we are family, which is massive in that context. Um, so they say, yeah, who are we? We are family. What products do we make? And then all the women say, we make beautiful products. Why? Because God made us beautifully, that's why. Say to your neighbour, your life has a lot of value. And in their own dialects, they turn to my neighbour and say, your life has a lot of value. Again, it's a rarity. Say to yourself, my life has a lot of value. And my life has a lot of value. Say to your neighbour, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Now you could have heard a drop. And it was the Genesis 1 narrative being played out. It was the Genesis 1 narrative that caused a bunch of folk to look at a situation and go, this reality is not on. This isn't true, this isn't good, this isn't right. What's it look to live out the reality, the narrative of Jesus, the Genesis 1 Jesus thing in this place? So they created something, but not only did they create an alternative thing and, and culture and in the hard place, but they then gave language that spoke to an alternative narrative that's healthy, good, transformational, beautiful. You know what I mean? Is Genesis 1 being played out? I'm probably hitting my time on it. So, thinking of you guys, I hear you're doing this thing on um, 
spirit leading. And um, the spirit, like Genesis 1 said, like hovered over the darkness. The spirit's always hovering over the darkness and going, what beautiful thing can be created here or spoken here? And an encouragement to all of us is that the Jesus that we follow is always the spirit of Jesus, always inviting us into going, what is the narratives we're hearing or our friends are hearing or our neighborhoods are hearing that is, dis- that is destroying life? And that we can bring an alternative story, an alternative way of being into this space, into these into this, this, these hearts, and see some hope and beauty and love flourish where it so needs to. And uh, I suppose in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that um, you have some really exciting, crazy, courageous journey in that Genesis 1 journey mm-hmm. in the weeks ahead. Mm-hmm. All good? Mm-hmm. Okay.